<laughs> well, no, thank you so much for doing the podcast. I'm so excited. My it's, be it's so good really to see you. I haven't seen you in so long. Has it been since Two Dope Queens? In person. In LA? Yeah, in person. Wow. Or no, you know, we no, saw no, each no, other no. after that. We saw each other at yes. couple parties. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. The the typical you just see each other at LA parties and you're like, what's up? And it's a whole yeah. day. But that was still a few years back. I, I mean, know. I remember because I remember when you guys did the show on HBO, just emailing you and saying how much I loved it. But yeah, and I like couldn't believe I, I it was so weird like having people like you, Michelle Obama, be like, Yeah, I, we like the podcast. And I'm like, Jess and I say some of the most ignorant, <laughs> trifling shit on this podcast, and like people like it. It's so crazy. Yeah. I mean, what it is is being honest. I guess that's what resonates. So that's the that's yeah. the real, the real real, as they say. Quite a sad point going this week. What's up? I mean, given the state of the niche, mm-hmm. you know, I think coming in hot with tons of energy is isn't the right tone yes. right now. Yes. As you guys know, this is Black Frasier, hosted by me, Phoebe Lynn Robinson. And as always, I'm joined in the studio by my co-producer, my editor. The love of my life. Look at that hair. It is getting so long, it babe. Is. You're like my little rock star. My, my quarantine hair is really... Mm-hmm. like it's. I'm definitely going to cut the fringe and just go full trailer trash mullet, I think. How do you feel about that? So today... <laughs> um, I honestly, like, I'm, I'm excited for this episode because I feel like whenever... The episodes, like the universe always kind of knows like what's gonna, the mood of the I'm going to be like mm-hmm. and also the world. And so it puts these episodes sort of like where they're supposed to come out. And I feel like today is a really good episode. It's, um, I feel like it's uplifting. For I sure. I feel like it's really sort of like, just sort of like keeping that faith and that belief in yourself, which is something I think we all need. Yep. At these times, um, so I'm really excited for you guys to hear my conversation with, I mean, an Emmy Award winner, a producer, mm-hmm. an actor, a director, a director, a cute little zaddy. He's not really little though, is he? He's a bit. He's, he's a tall man. He is. He's in. He's in the sixes. He's a very tall, sexy man. He is. Have you met him in person? No. Yeah. It's like a wave of like sensuality washes over you. You go weak at the knees. <laughs> <laughs> you just some people are like charming and they like they got it. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean. Yeah. Like I don't have that. It's that sparkle in the eye. Yes, yeah. like no one's gonna be like 
weak in the knees from being around me. I don't think that's true. I've been weak at the knees being around you. Okay, that's very lovely, but let's look at my my track record dating-wise. Mm. A lot of friend zone. A lot of white dudes. Not a lot of white dudes, but a lot of friend zone. A lot of, like... I was the same, though. Yeah. Like, when I... In my early 20s, late teens, yeah. I, like, I'd find somebody I like, yeah. go chase them, and then... Chase them out. No, no, <laughs> like, wait, what? <laughs> Not down the street, okay, but okay. try to uh, date them is probably the right phrase. But end up, always end up in that friend zone. Did you have like a line? Out the door or? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, for your potential s- s- suitors. No, no. So what were you you're just like, oh, I might. That's exactly it. You want to go grab a cuppa? Do you want to hop on the good foot and do the bad thing? <laughs> no? Okay. <laughs> Let's go get some fish and chips, eh? Yep, that's exactly it. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, I I don't think I have that sort of about me, but that's okay because I have other things about me that are fantastic. Mm. Like my intelligence. Yes. My sparkling personality. For sure. My A-cup titties. Both of them. Anyway, I'm really excited for our guest. Speaking of titties. Um... <laughs> no, I'm really excited for our guest because we 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 go back a little bit. He actually when um Jessica and I were still doing Two Dope Queens the live show, mm-hmm. um, um, and we did a special show in LA, like shortly before that, we heard through the grapevine that our guest Love two dope queens, mm. which I was like, oh, makes <laughs> sense. He's a com- he's a big comedy fan. Yeah. Um, and our show was like sort of like on um had gone dark, like we were just on an off season. Yeah. And I was like, oh my god! So next time we're back in LA, let's like shoot our shot and get him on the show. Slide into his DMs. <laughs> he's not on social media. Oh, mm-hmm. of course. That's how he keeps his sort of like sanity, which yeah. I appreciate. Yeah. Um, and so the next time we had an LA show, we like hit him up and he was like, of course, I would love to do it. And we had a great time. And we've always like seen each other at parties or in passing or whatever. And he's always been nothing but kind and wonderful and smart and funny. Um, and so today it's so good that we're sort of doing this episode on, um, late bloomers because both he and I sort of like got our, like really broke out in our early to mid Mm thirties, which, you know, a lot of times in careers, people can make you feel like if you aren't like, you know, hot stuff by the time you're 23. Yeah, especially in Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know what? I broke out of my early thirds. I look like I'm in my young twants. Mm. Late twants? Mm. You don't think no, I... No, I do. I'm just busting uh, I was like, oh my God, with this <laughs> wig on, honey? <laughs> okay, but before we get to that, you guys, we actually have some breaking Fucking news. <laughs> Which is really exciting, okay? And a big deal for our little cutesy podcast that is getting stronger and bigger by the day. Mm-hmm. So you guys know how to go on and on about how we ain't taking no ad dollars from Squirrel Box. <laughs> 
Oh, yeah. I forgot about Squirrelbox. Did you ever start that company? No, I, I, I forgot. Into it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to start Squirrelbox after this. Okay. But we're not taking money from the man because we're indie. I have that indie spirit in me. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, li- I walk on the wild side. I live on the edge. I fly above the clouds. <laughs> I didn't know. I- sure. I'm just going to. To keep things moving, <laughs> I'm just going to agree. Yes, you fly above the clouds. Mm-hmm. And so, straight up, we... <laughs> I like try to drag this out to make it so exciting. You're like, I know what it is. Yeah, I'm, a- I'm aware of what you're about to say. <laughs> okay, you guys. We are doing our very first ad. <gasps> but take that gasp, put it back in your body because it's a blast. <laughs> 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 because one of my favorite skincare companies, Black Owned Businesses, Bolden, they have been enjoying the podcast. And so they reached out and they were like, hey, would you ever consider doing like, a string of ads for our company on your podcast. And I was like, oh my gosh. Skincare, black owned, bloody brilliant. Of course we will. Yeah. So I'm so excited. I can't believe it, babe. Just look how far we've come in like. Less than a year. I was going to say like two and a half months to make even sound oh, It really even more, has, isn't it? Been, yeah. That sounds more impressive. I mean, <laughs> we agreed to do this, what, mm. August? Was this it? podcast? Yeah. Yeah, we started the podcast mid-August. Yeah. Mid-Augs. Damn. I know. Look where we are now. Our very first ad, you guys. I know. So buckle the fuck up because- <laughs> So aggressive. <laughs> As I tell you what this company is- I'm strapped in, ready to go. Bolden, what you got? Okay, honestly, you guys, just before I get into this copy, I want to say I use Bolden- Morning and night. It is my skin cleanser. I love it. I swear by it. So if you haven't gotten it yet, I would say get the skin cleanser to start. It leaves your skin feeling so smooth. And let's go into why a brand like Bolden matters. Okay. So listen, this, there's a crowded beauty market. Okay. Everyone's got a line. Everyone's got makeup. Everyone's got face masks and all those things. But the thing is, like, black women, we still continue to struggle to find products that are designed for our skin. It's unique, Mm -hmm. okay? My skin is not like Blake Lively's. It's not like Lindsay Lohan. It's not like all the white girls named Kelsey across the country. And Kelsey Grandma. (laughs) Yes, my skin is very different from Kelsey Grammer's. But black skin is different because uh, we have melanin. (laughs) We have, you have what? (laughs) Melanin. Mel Anocytes. Did you maybe want to read this before we did this? <laughs> I did read it, but you know when you read to yourself and then when you read out loud, it's different. The point is we have melanin-producing cells um, in our skin, okay, that are larger and easier to trigger. So it's super easy. Like, you know how, like, when I get, like, a pimple mm-hmm. and I'll have a dark spot after it? Yeah, yeah. It's called hyperpigmentation, bitch. So... <laughs> 
it's something to be aware of. And what's great about Bolden is I really do feel like I've been using them, gosh, maybe I think since the start of this year, maybe end of last year, and mm. I really noticed that my skin has cleared up and it's it's very clean. I don't feel like I'm putting unhealthy or toxic chemicals on my skin. Um, and I think what's really great about it is like, I always feel like I'm starting with a fresh slate after I like wash my face with their cleanser. It really just feels like, okay, now I'm getting my beauty routine off to a great start. So I'm just going to say, y'all, check out Bolden. They're on Instagram at BoldenUSA. Whoop, whoop. Their website is BoldenUSA.com. Do we want me to do this to spell it out? No, all links are in the description below. BoldingUSA.com. Get some skincare in your life, hoes. It's a support. <laughs> and support black home businesses. Do you think Bolden's gonna listen to this and go? What have we done? <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like I could be like, listen, guys, and I want to put my flavor on it. Yeah. Yeah. So they have tons of stuff. Eye cream, sure. Toner, of course. Overnight spot corrector. There's tons mm. of things. So get into it. BoldenUSA.com. B as in boy. O as in... Oh. The way that Bake Off is looking at me. The fans asked for this. Show me the letters asking for this. And <laughs> Who's I writing letters? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, what were you going to say? I was going to say, if it's not a handwritten note with a wax-sealed <laughs> ceiling on the back, it's I'm not in. It's what not. is this Game of Thrones? <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys, boldingusa.com. Get your skin together for the holidays. Um, and Bolden, thanks for reaching out and making us feel special that you see this as a, a platform to get the word out about you. You guys rule. I love your stuff. Let's get on to this episode. I'm really excited for our guest of Una, John Hom. Well, this podcast is going to be super fun. People were very excited when I said that you were going to be on the show. You have, cool. you have great audience questions, so we will dive right in. I'm going to say like my hello, and then we'll be do off your the intro, race. and then we'll be off the races. I'm ready to go. This, this intro is going to be really short. Hold on to your shorts. Hi, John. <laughs> Hi, Phoebe. <laughs> it is so good to see you. I'm really excited well. about this episode because, you know, I have been in this industry for like 12 years. I'm turning 36 soon. Um, it's very exciting. I, you can't tell. Um, but, <laughs> but, you know, I think a lot about, like, I started doing comedy around like 24, which is kind of late to start doing stand-up comedy, you know? Yeah. Um, well, like so many people that I meet doing stand-up, like they knew when they were 15 and I was like, I didn't know what the fuck I want to do when I was 15. Exactly. You know? I think there's, there's many ways to, uh, to, to skin a cat, so to speak. And I think that whenever you find it, you find it. And, and, you know, I've, I've, I've known people that started in their teens and I know people that started in their 30s after being like investment bankers. So it's like, it yeah. is what it is. Yeah. But I feel like this episode in particular, I think it's going to be important for a lot of people listening because I feel like 
There is, like, I remember, especially when I was starting out in stand-up, like, you would see the list. 25 under 25, 30 under 30. You see the casting breakdowns, and it was, like, you know, 21 to, like, 20. Like, I would just see all this stuff that made me so sort of insecure about sort of where I was in my career. And when, you know, I started to break was, like, in my early, like, I think Two Dope Queens came out on HBO when I was, like, 33, which is like great to me. I'm like that's young, but so many people will act like you're an old bitch for like finally getting a, a show on the air in your thirties. <laughs> and so I wanted to talk to you because I feel like you're someone who has like such a great career, and it didn't just like pop off when you were twenty one. When you were twenty one, no, did not but look where you are and like how much you accomplished. And so I thought that having an episode about like what it means to sort of like find your groove in your career later in life and like how that is just as valuable and just as amazing as getting it early. I'll say this about that because I think I'm mystified at people that get famous in their early Mm twenties or younger. And I feel like the, you know, the, the battlefields of Hollywood are just littered with corpses of kids that, aren't equipped to handle that. Yeah. I mean, and it, and you see it all the time. The cautionary tales are just so many um, because it's crazy. I mean, becoming sort of recognizably famous is a, is a crazy making situation. And you, and you have so many people in your life that you don't understand what they are angling for or what is the thing. And you have to make all of these decisions. And I just, I, I couldn't imagine it at, at, 20 something. I mean, I was barely able to, you know, pour cereal into a bowl until, (laughs) you know, I was in the mid to late twenties. I didn't have my own place without a roommate until I was like 30 years old. So like, it's, 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 it's a challenge. And, uh, you know, Mad Men happened to me when I was 35 Mm -hmm. and I I was 34 and then it came out when I was 35. So, and then, you know, my whole world shifted and, and it became a whole different thing. So even saying that I had my own issues with sort of managing all of the anxiety and stress of becoming, of what do you do next? What's next? What's the next thing going to yeah. be? What are you going to choose? Who are you going to say no to? If you say no to something, are you allowed to like, you know, who are you going to piss off if you say the wrong thing to the wrong person? And there is a sensibility of, of being a grown up that, that I think allows you to actually um, make those decisions uh, in a in a in a more thoughtful way, but even so, it's difficult. So I'm 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 amazed at the at the people that have careers starting when they're super super young that are able to maintain that and they're able to grow that. And I think that that says a tremendous amount about them and the people they choose to represent them and 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 keep in their lives. But I I also know it's it's, it's not easy and it and it. Part of the part of the magic is making it look easy and and hiding the the rough spots. But like, I, I, we all know well enough if you if you if you've had any kind of career in this business how how difficult it can be. And you know it's it, it's 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 not like being a, a frontline healthcare worker right now. It's not that kind mm-hmm. of difficult. Um, but it you know it's it still has its own challenges, and it's it's always hard to like complain about them because everyone's like, well, oh. Crimea River, like yeah, you're. Yeah. It's, it's so hard to be famous, um, but it, you know, I, you can't measure. Uh, I keep realizing that it looks like that baseball bat is literally going through my <laughs> head, like a Steve Martin thing. Right now. <laughs> I'm not going. You're not going to be able to unsee yeah. it now. Yeah. <laughs>
So yeah, anyway, um, that's just put a button on that. It's just like, you know, it's it's yeah. it's 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 not fair to compare suffering. So yeah. everybody's got their own stuff to deal with in it, and it's all real. Let me turn my uh, notifications off. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I want to stick on fame for a little bit and then we'll talk about like right before Mad Men exploded. So, you know, I feel the same way too when I see people sort of, you know, even if you see like a Justin Bieber or like whatever, like a Britney Spears, it's just like, I could not imagine being like 16 and being on the cover of Rolling Stone magazine. Like that is so wild. And I think that like, there's so much about fame that you can't like, no one can prepare you. Like you just sort of have to become famous in order to sort of figure out, right? For sure. So were there yeah. like any, what are, what's something that you wish people told you to like really be mindful of before you got famous? Well, you know, I think, I mean, it's, it's, it's advice that's as old as Shakespeare, but it's like to thine own self be true. Like you're the only person that's going to be able to determine what satisfies you from a creative standpoint and from a career standpoint, you can hear, you can take in all the advice you want and from people who have the best intentions and people who maybe have other intentions, but it's gotta be your own choice at the end of the day or else you're gonna, you know, I I had a friend that used to say a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. And that's like, you can get talked into anything, but if, if it's not coming genuinely from you, you're going to regret it most likely no matter if there's money whatever like whatever the thing you talked yourself or you got talked into doing it for if it's not if it's not genuinely something that you creatively are into then you're just going to i don't know then you just be bummed out yeah and i think that you know you talk about like Justin Bieber or Britney Spears or whatnot, and it, 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 that was even like kind of a quaint good old days mm-hmm. of of childhood stardom because there wasn't social media or at least with Britney Spears and, you know, when you can go online and, like, find 30,000 comments about how you suck or you're useless or you're fat or you're ugly or you're any other, you know, the toxicity of that anonymous um, judgment is yeah. is really dangerous, I think, especially when you're um, young because you're you're not you're not settled into your self-worth or self-image and you haven't necessarily formed that opinion and you and yet you're getting this constant negative i don't want people are just trolling or they're just uh oh, jk like haha like it's oh come on you can't take a joke it's like no man that that sounds awfully real when you're when you're reading it over and over and over whether it's on twitter or it's what, what have you like I, I was very fortunate that i i was literally like the last one through the door before social media blew up yeah as mad men came out in 2005 or six and then twitter came out in 2006 or seven and then instagram Mm -hmm. 2010 and it was like that we were off to the races and i i I chose and deliberately chose to not engage with those platforms because i rapidly saw how a how how addicting they can be it's the dopamine hit right it's like it's like pushing the pushing the bar and getting the, the 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 kibble um and the likes and the this and the that and the views and the, you know, the page, whatever. And, and then monetizing that is, is something also. And I was just like, I, I'd rather not engage with it. It doesn't, yeah. um, it doesn't, like I said, you know, it, it, it doesn't feed my creative engine and yeah. therefore uh, it's, you can tell it's just a, it, it can be, it can become just a, a sort of like 
Ouroboros, like, right, you're just running around in a circle and doing nothing. Yeah. Okay, so I want to go back to right before maybe you got cast in Mad Men, because I, you know, part of the reason why I did Tito Queens is, yes, I love hosting variety shows and having a platform for all different kinds of people on, but it was truly like, I wasn't booking any acting gigs. I couldn't right. get a writing job. Self-generating. Like it was, yeah, it was truly like no one was interested. So I was like, you know, that year when I met Jessica, I was truly close to just quitting comedy because I was like, I am trying so hard and I'm not getting anywhere. And I see my friends like really getting these things and I'm not like making these advances. And so I'm wondering what was sort of your mental state before Mad Men? Were you just sort of like, why is this not clicking? What's happening? Like, what were you it's interesting that you it's interesting that you bring that up because, you know, first of all, like when I first moved to L.A. in 1995, um, two years out of college, I, I went on a lot of auditions and I I didn't book anything. I just kept going, you know, climbing up the ladder and then you get to the last rung and someone's like, nah, and you go all the way back down and climb up the ladder again. And eh, and, you know, for whatever reason, they weren't buying what I was selling. And and, you know, it was like those are the days of like of. uh you know, Dawson's Creek and a lot of like uh, CW, WB programming that was for like young, young kids. And I was 25, but I I, I still looked old. <laughs> uh, like I just looked, I did not look like a high schooler or a teenager. I didn't look like a high schooler when I was in high school, but it was just <laughs> like, I was not, I was not the, the, the prototype of what they were looking for. So that was challenging. I mean, it took me, I was here for three years before I booked a single thing. Wow. And what I was able, you know, what I did with my spare time was I, I went to a lot of comedy shows, like, and I, and I happened to, to meet people of, of a like mind. And it was like, that was in the good old days of like Monday nights at Largo and then the M bar and comedy, comedy death ray and then comedy bang, bang. And, and then it all kind of, um, it kind of exploded from there, but th that's how I met, you know, Sarah Silverman, Pat Oswalt, Paul F. Tompkins, Doug Benson, like Scott Ackerman, all these guys, like, and people, um, and Zach Galifianakis, like people who are now like friends of mine. And, and mm -hmm. I got to see like, Oh, like there's a different kind of comedy sensibility than the one that's being pushed in the, in the three camera sitcom format. Um, and there's a way to, and it's starting to like get traction. And I happen to really like it. And on the East Coast, there was you guys and like John Hodgman and Eugene Merman and um, all these, all these, you know, the Slipper Room and, and Seth and all those guys. Like there were so many cool outlets of that. And and you're able to like push that agenda. You were able to push that agenda because you knew like I'm I'm funny. Like I'm people should like me. That was one of the things that I loved about your and Jess's show so much was you're like we're awesome. Yeah. Full stop. Like, and yeah. we're going to, we're about to, for an hour, we're about to prove it to you. And that's, that's intoxicating to watch. It's really fun. So right before Mad Men for me, Mad Men was the eighth pilot that I auditioned for that season. Oh I my, had, oh my gosh. Oh. I had, uh, yeah. I had tested on seven pilots, gone all the way to the top and not been chosen. <gasps> So, and I had been on, I'd been on television shows. I was a regular on, on the division and I'd been on, you know, various and sundry shows. So I wasn't like I was, you know, not, uh, proven, 
But so Mad Men was the last one and it was for this network that no one had heard of. It was, you know, this kind of this whatever. And it was being produced by a advertising agency and uh, they weren't sure who was going to pay for it. Like it was just all this like <laughs> real, like B minus what's going on. Huh? Is this real? Is this a thing? But it was, it was so good. It was so compelling to read that I was, I, I just knew I wanted to be in it. I remember the first audition that I did and I auditioned for it seven times. Um, wow. Yeah. I kept going back. I kept going back. I kept going back. They kept having me read different scenes. I kept going back and they ended up flying me to New York to meet the AMC people. I kept going back. I kept going back. I'm like at any one of these times, if I sucked, it would, they would be like, eh, he's not right. Cause I, w I wasn't, a, I wasn't famous and that I wasn't a person, you know, that was a known quantity in television necessarily. Uh, and to his great credit, like Matt was like, it works for the character. <laughs> like mm -hmm. people shouldn't, it shouldn't be Rob Lowe as Dom Draper. Like, cause everyone's going to be like, Oh, Rob Lowe. Cool. Yeah. That should be a person that they need to discover. And I thought I agreed with that obviously. Mm -hmm. But, um, I remember just the first audition was in Santa Monica and I live way on the other side of town in Los Feliz. And it was on Santa Monica on a Friday at four o'clock and it was raining. So that audition took me about five hours to like get to and back from because of traffic and rain in LA when it rains, everything just goes sideways. And, uh, and it was, it was a pre-read for the casting director. Cause I had never met the casting director and they had never met me. They were from New York. And I, that was the first of seven auditions for Madden that I did. And it was just, it, it, I, I, I knew eventually that I knew, I knew I was right. I just yeah. had to go about, you know, kind of convincing them. And that took a while. Wow. And so I think what's interesting about this is I'm, as I've been thinking about this for myself, too, is there's sort of success that you define for yourself. And then there's success that other, like what people outside of you consider to be successful. So like, you know, for the longest time before Two Dope Queens, people were sort of like, oh, whatever, whatever about me. And then like that popped and then people were like, oh, I guess you've been working now. So there's like this assumption that because I didn't do anything that sort of like resonated with a large amount of people that I wasn't actually working or that I wasn't right. successful. Sure. And it's I think the overnight that's success that takes 10 years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I'm wondering if like you think like in general, what whatever industry that someone is in, like I think that framework needs to be changed because I think it puts a lot of undue pressure on people to be like, okay, I have to have a specific marker that proves that I'm successful, even though for me, I feel like I'm doing okay. You know, for sure. I think again, it's about, it's about your own satisfaction with, you know, your place, wh wherever it is. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing wrong with striving either. There's nothing wrong with, you know, wanting to achieve and wanting to move up or forward or whatever that means. It's just, it's just also maintaining a sense of appreciation for where you are and what you're doing. Not to be confused with like apathy or, or, um, inertia of just like, mm -hmm. well, I'm fine. I'm, I'm fine. Like it's, if, as long as it's a real sense of I'm actually putting in the work and I'm actually doing things. I mean, I remember when I, <laughs> when I first came out or I had a job, I was a waiter and I had a job way out in like Venice beach and I, I lived in Silver Lake, which if anybody knows LA is literally like the opposite sides of town. It, I did not make wise decision on the restaurant that I chose to work at. Um, but I had friends that lived in Venice. And so if it got too late or whatever, I didn't want to drive home. Like I could stay at their place 
that was right around the corner from the restaurant, sleep on the couch, whatever. And, you know, you wake up in the morning, it's like Santa Monica, Venice, beautiful, sunny day, California. Hey, what do you want to do? Let's go get some coffee and play volleyball or whatever. And like, I would like look down and look up and I was like, wait, I've been out here two weeks. <laughs> like I should probably <laughs> go home. I should like work on auditions or go to class or do something yeah. like, and that's kind of the, that's the real draw of California sometimes is like, it's, it's like the land of the Lotus eaters. Like you, you can look down and look up and like five years have passed and like, what have you done? So it really demands, it's not like New York, like New York will not let you forget that there's, you know, the rents do like mm-hmm. here you can kind of like coast a little bit. So I, 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 I would, you know, if anybody's out there trying to do this, it's like, it's, it's not a, it's not a roll the dice kind of thing. It's a thing you have to like prepare for and, and, and work on. Um, so that when you actually get your shot, you're ready. Yeah. Did you ever have a moment where you wanted, where you contemplated quitting and being like, maybe this isn't the right sort of industry I, for me? Or I do remember thinking after, like it was literally right before Mad Men, like because I, yeah. like I said, I had auditioned for all of these pilots. I'd gotten so close to like, and things like by the way that were probably never went past the pilot. Like it wasn't like it was. Oh, I was so close to being on the West Wing. Like it wasn't that. Um, but the 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 experience of getting so very close and also having been there. So I knew it wasn't like, I can't, I knew I could do the job. It just was like, I wasn't getting picked. Mm-hmm. And it's that part, like after four or five pilots, you're just like, what am I doing wrong? Like, what am I, what am I not doing? Like, why are they not into this? And that, that one wore on me for a while that season. And then, you know, and then Mad Men comes along and you go, Oh, okay. never mind. Yeah. Just kidding. And I worked out. Yeah. 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 Um, and I'm curious as to what, because you sort of broke a little bit later, what sort of, like, what, how do you think your work ethic was able to develop because you have more time to sort of work on all the tools in your toolkit? Well, I think also getting to be number one on the call sheet, the lead of the show after having been number six or seven on the call sheet on a show is, you know, it, I think is way better because you kind of, you see how it should be done, not necessarily how it always is done, but you see the right way to be a leader. And so for me, I mean, I had a lot, I was, I had a lot of heavy lifting on, on Mad Men. I was in almost every scene, like there was just a lot of, a lot of work, but it was fulfilling. And so I would always remind myself that no matter how like many days in a row I have to work or how long the days are or whatever, like this is what I signed up for and this is what I like to do. And I get to do it at a, at a pretty high level. And that part of it was like awesome. Like, you know, I, I, there was a time when I think it was around season three of Mad Men where maybe season four where I was doing, I was shooting bridesmaids. I was doing reshoots on the town and I was shooting the show. So I had to do the, the reshoots and the, and the film shoots on, on the weekends. And I had, I worked every day during the week. So I worked like 21 days in a row without a day off. Wow. And I just had to, I kept reminding myself like, this is what you want to do. Like Mm -hmm. what's, 
what's better than this? Like you're getting to do this with all these cool people with Ben Affleck and Kristen Wiig, the cast of your show, like so many cool people at such a high level, like just, just go to bed and get up in the morning and, and go to work and enjoy it. So that's, that's the, that's what I really took away from. I mean, there were hard days. Sure. There were days where I was angry or upset or what have you, but like the majority of the days I was definitely able to say like, this is, I'm digging this. Like I'm really yeah. enjoying this. Yeah. And I feel like whenever you get to that next sort of level in your career, whatever that is for you, you sort of, you, you have this fantasy or at least I did. You're like, Oh, this will be really cool. This is awesome. And you're like, Oh, it's just more work. <laughs> it's yeah. always just more work, you know, but which I think is as scary as that is, it's also kind of like, Oh, okay. Like, I can do more of this. I know what I'm doing. And I think that sometimes when you get to a certain level and there's this pressure from success that can make some people sort of shy away from it or sabotage. And like, how did you sort of fight? If you had those instincts, how did you sort of fight against that to be like, no, I'm going to be fully president here. I work for this. I'm not going to destroy this because I'm scared of what's going to be on the other side of it. The fear of it is always present right so it's there's always an element of especially when you're doing something live especially when you're doing something that you created yourself out of whole cloth whatever there's always an element of fear it's just it's just how do you harness that right do you let it do you let it run you or do you get to harness that and turn that into energy and turn that into creative energy so that's part of that is just experience part of that is just doing it um talk to any comic out there and they'll say you know, you have bad, no one bats a thousand, you know, yeah. uh, the, yeah, yeah. the best of them, you know, have nights where they bomb and that's, you learn from that. Um, you know, I've, I've certainly seen work that I've done where I was like, mm, I probably could have done that better, but in the moment I, I did the best I could, you know, yeah. and, and you, and you hope that the, especially cause, cause movie making and television making is so collaborative. There's so many people that are, that are tweaking and touching, whether it's hair, makeup, costumes, sets, editing, you know, sound guy, like whatever. There's so many pieces of that puzzle that you really have to have a healthy sense of trust in the people that you're working with. And I remember every, every time I would, I would sign on to do a movie, whether I was the lead or, or, you know, the fifth guy down the line, whenever we'd sign the deal, I'd say, okay, like you guys did your work. My job is to make it great. And that's what I would try to do every, every time I step on stage. And so does it always work? No, but you you have to be earnest in your approach to trying to make it as best as you can. Yeah. Um, and so I have a quick question because it just popped into my head. I remember I was reading, I like, I'm not a huge fan of reading like reviews about <laughs> oh, anything. I, I feel like, reading. yeah, I hate reading. <laughs> <laughs> no, but sometimes when you read reviews, you're just like, okay, this critic's just being a hater. But for me, this was like years ago where I'm like, oh, for me, this will be how I knew I made it. Someone described an actor as a low budget John Hamm. And I was like, <laughs> damn. <laughs> I was like, John's made it. <laughs> Which, I mean, that's got to be, I mean, that's kind of, I don't know if it's high praise, but that is some. For someone to say that there is a trash version of you, that's great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I'll take it, I guess. I don't know who <laughs> they were talking about, but here we are. 
I guess. Yeah, that's a that's a that's the that's the thing, right? Where you say like, ah, you're not the right type. I need a certain type, and then they're like, who are you? Like, I, that's the arc of your career, right? When you when you age out. <laughs> I guess I'll take it. You know, I, I've I've had the good fortune of in my career to meet some some pretty cool people who I've looked up to and and respected and and whether it's Lorne Michaels or Mike Nichols or Marty Short or you know. Tina Fey, like fill in the blank. Like I, I've been so fortunate in in my career to have gotten into these people's orbits, and and have them be um, positive and and pleasant and appreciative of me. Yeah. And it's like it's such a mind blower where you're like, I don't understand. Thank you, first yeah. of all. And are you sure you have the right guy? <laughs> like, you know, it's like. <laughs> So part of that is part of that is is accepting that too and saying like you know what it's 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 okay to like to for these people to to accept praise from these people because you earned it you earned it yeah. it's not you know fighting that thing of like oh I'm a self deprecatory thing of like oh it's not me like ooh, ooh, ooh. I remember at a certain point early 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 in my career an agent said to me like you need to like lose a little of that Midwestern humbleness because you need to like understand that you have to stand out. You have to, you have to be proud of what you bring to the table and not just poo poo it and soft pedal it and blah, blah. Cause if you say it long enough, people believe it. Yeah. Oh, you don't belong at the table. Fine. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Um, and so I want to go back to something you said earlier about like, you, you don't bat, no one bats a thousand and you know, as a stand up, you can definitely, I've had tons of shows where I definitely feel like, oh, yeah, I'm shitting the bed here. This sucks. <laughs> I know it's going to be better tomorrow, but right now we all just got to sit through this 20 minutes of, like, horribleness. But I'm wondering, like, for you, what has been – you don't have to say, like, what specifically the job was, but what – do you have, like, a moment where you were sitting there acting, you're going, like – this is a fucking dog turd. And I think everyone <laughs> around me knows is a dog turd, but we're just going to power through today. <laughs> I, I wouldn't say like, you know, because everybody's better on take two, right? So yeah. I'm sure there's been times where I've just t talked about shit to bed where you're like, I don't what I, I just literally, I fell over the chair or something like I, <laughs> I can't even walk straight. But so probably not in like an acting thing because eventually you get there and then you move on. Yeah. I've certainly seen people where the moment has overwhelmed them and you can see where they're, they're just, you're like, you're like, Hey, 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 take a deep breath. Like, it's going to be okay. Yeah. Like calm down. Like, but um, I would say probably there've been multitudes of auditions where I've gone in and like, you don't want me here and I don't want to be here and we're going <laughs> to, we're going to get through this and try to be pleasant, but it's not going to, we, we know what's happening here, right? Like yeah. it's, I'm not right. You don't like me. I don't know what I did in a past life to your kids or whatever, but I'm, I'm not the guy that you want. And you know, you have to like file those away under like, oops, you know, yeah. like whatever. And, and then, and then try to, you know, try to just not stay in that. Yeah. stew in that thing like like you said like if you bomb on stage you bomb on stage you go back the next night and you learn from it and you go okay well that sucked or the crowd was weird or everyone was drunk or it was too early or too late or what what have you it's a million reasons right it's like but that's why you do it again and again and again is to is to get better so what do you think you what are some of the lessons you think you learned from 
you not getting cast on a show or you not landing a part in the movie that you think informed your career going forward? Part of it is like, sometimes you just don't fit the costume, meaning like they're looking for a specific thing and you're not it. So it, you could go in and be the second coming of you know, the best actor in the world and you just don't fit the costume. You know what I mean? Like, so like, I, I remember when I, I was directing Mad Men season six, um, we had, we were casting this character and this guy came in and crushed it, yeah. absolutely destroyed, but he was the wrong guy. Like he was this six foot, four inch blonde guy. We were like, Ugh. like in yeah. another universe, you would be the guy, but. And Wait, he, so a six did, four, a six foot four blonde white guy couldn't make it? It was the wrong guy. He was the wrong. He didn't fit the costume. It was the wrong wow. guy. Wow. And it's so tough for those you know, blonde it, white guys, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so it was just one of those things. Like so, so you have to understand. You can come in and mm-hmm. throw a perfect strike right down the middle, and sometimes you just it's it's not the right thing. So you, that I guess that's what I eventually learned. Yeah. Was that sometimes it's not about you; it's about the other stuff, and it, it, you just have to come in as prepared as you can be, and do do your thing. And if they're into your thing, then it's going to work. And if they're not, then you then you move on next. You know, yeah. There's always a next. I I love this. This is like so good because I feel like I'm just sort like. Not that I was spiteful because I think that's not the right word, but I think like in my 20s when I was like sort of like going out for stuff and not getting it, it's like I had this attitude of like, I'm going to show you of like, you're, I'm going to make you regret not picking me, which, right. you know, is understandable, but I think it's also sort of not the right way of looking at it, right? Because you're still giving that person so much energy and mental real estate to be like, I'm going to show you. And they, right. they've forgotten about you. That's yeah, the thing. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. There's like, there's a great line in Mad Men where, where somebody comes up to me and says, I feel sorry for you. And I look back at him and say, I don't think about you at all. Yeah. And it's, that's, that's really the thing. It's like whenever, as soon as you're able as an actor to kind of dump whatever bad experience you had and, and chalk it up to whatever, and come into the next one like refreshed and ready to go. I remember toward the end of my auditioning career, so to speak, I I would walk into rooms and be like, let's do this. And I'd be so chill and relaxed. And that energy comes across too. And they're like, oh, this guy's a pro. Like, yeah, done. Bring him in. He's gonna, he's gonna kill it. Because you walked in and you, you present that. You know, you don't, you don't present anxiety or too too eager to please or or what have you you just you you represent a professional and that's you know when you're a kid you 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 kind of try to do that yeah. but it's clear that you're a kid you know and you're and you're kind of playing at it yeah so you would just walk into an audition and be chill as hell by the end of my career at the at the beginning wow. i was i was a bundle of nerves i didn't no one teaches you how to audition that's the yep. thing too you can go through a million years of acting school and no one actually teaches you what happens when you open that door and say, hi, I'm John and here's my thing. And thank you so much. And no one does it. I mean, there's audition classes, but they're, they don't teach you the real 
world experience of like how that feels when you're staring at a table of people, one of whom's on his phone, one of whom's writing something, someone's on a call, no one's paying attention. Um, it's no one teaches you how to do that. So you have to learn it. And the first time you do it, it's blood curdlingly terrifying. And then eventually I read Steve Martin's uh, autobiography and he was like, I hated auditioning. It was the most stressful thing I've ever done. You're like, you're Steve Martin. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Everybody hates it. Yeah. I hate, I, one of my worst auditions, I, um, for a Netflix show that's no longer, but I was so, I guess I just feel like I, I just work better if I could just like be in the zone, like chill instead of like having to perfect these lines or whatever. But I, Remember I started doing my doing my part and then I was like, oh, wait, 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 can I start over? And the person just kept read, reading like I didn't say anything. And I was just I like didn't know what to do because I was like, well, I took like two sort of like acting classes and they were like so chill, like everything's going to be fine. So I was like, oh, I could get into the room and just be like, oh, wait, I'm not ready. Let me like try it again. They were just like, bitch, we're seeing 30 people today. <laughs> like we're not starting over what are your credits oh you have no we're not starting over for you yeah i mean but that, part of that I is so much part of that is like you know there is a sense of understanding that everybody's busy right yeah you're not the most important person there's 42 people in line behind you they got to kind of churn and burn these and 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 it is it's hard to like make an impression in mm-hmm. 45 seconds um and so you have to understand that too like it's yeah. It is what it is. Like you can't. I feel like that phrase is by should be removed from the. Yeah, we can't say it point. anymore, right? I know. It's like it's it's it's. It, <laughs> Michelle did it. Like she she officially made that not not a thing anymore. Um, but but to that point, like you have to you have to really understand the reality of that too, and and place yourself in in whatever level that you feel comfortable in. Um, obviously, you don't you don't want to be like oh, I hate to hate to take up too much of your time. Like you're yeah. there. They invited you there. So yeah. use, use your time wisely and, and, and be kind and polite and respectful and, and, and that'll come back to you. Yeah. I think I was just too nervous. And I definitely think in my twenties, I was so apologetic. I always felt like I was imposing on people and I'm right. so sorry to act. Like, I just felt like I had to apologize for breathing, which I think really was like a, a mind fuck for me because I never felt like I deserved to be in any sort of people's room. anxiety comes out in such weird ways in that, in that yeah. sense. Like people, some people come off like, Oh, I'm too cool. I don't even care. Like, well then why are you here? Yeah. You know, some people come across as like, Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. They're like, no, 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 we invited you. Yeah. And, and you know, that's, that's just the way human beings express being uncomfortable. You know, it's just like, it's, it's hard. And, and the energy that, that comes with that is, is so easy to see when you're on the other side. It's amazing. Like it's, if I, I tell all the kids, like, like sometimes kids from my college will come out here or my high school, like they'll come out and try to, you know, trying to pursue acting or whatever. And I'm like, you know, the best thing to do is go, go be an assistant in a casting director's office because you will see how the sausage gets made and you will see, you know, you're, you're a reader or you're whatever you'll see good audition, the difference between a good audition and a bad audition. And it'll be right there in front of you. So wait, how, how did your anxiety sort of manifest itself when you first started? I would be, I would be the guy that was like too cool for school. Like, I, I don't need, what are the line? I don't know. What, I'm just, I'm just too, you know, whatever. And it was like, that was 
I had a yeah. few very kind casting directors tell me like, that's not the way to do this. You're very good at what you do. You need to come in and be very good at what you do and say, thank you and, and turn around and go. And we'll, we'll be in touch. It's like, don't, don't be too cool for school because it's LA. There's 42 dudes that look just like you. So I learned that lesson quick. Yeah. <laughs> and now that you're on the other side of, you know, like not having to be in sort of this like audition hell and you have such a great career. And I'm, I'm curious as to like what, looking back on your career now, like are you, I always tell people I'm, when I first started doing standup, I was always like, oh, I wish I started younger. But now that I am where I am, I'm like, thank God I didn't do it younger. Or I thank God I didn't break younger. Like when you look at your career now, how do you view it? Are you viewing like, yeah, it was worth the way it was worth like all the ups For and sure. downs to get to where I am now. I'm, I'm, you know, we all have our moments of self-doubt or wondering what if or yeah. fill in the blank, but I, I'm very comfortable in my skin as a actor and as a person. And I'm very proud of what I've been able to do and what I hope to continue to do. Um, and I understand also that there is a hierarchy in our business and, and sometimes that hierarchy is determined by merit and sometimes it isn't. Sometimes it's determined by hard work and sometimes it isn't. Sometimes it's determined by luck and sometimes it isn't. Um, but you know, the, the more successful you get, you just kind of keep competing with more and more successful people. So instead of losing jobs to whoever you're losing jobs to Leonardo DiCaprio now or whatever, but the, the, the real, the real sense of, of self that I get when I look at my career and it doesn't matter what awards I have or, or, or what have you, it's. It's that I can look back and say, like, that was a really good thing that I did. Oh, it didn't make any money. That's not my problem. That was a really cool thing that I did. Oh, it, it didn't open that weekend. Not my problem. Like, I am proud of it. And therefore, when people see it in a, in a vacuum or see it as, as something not as a piece of business, they can say, like, oh, like, you're really good in that. Like, yeah, I know. I'm pretty good. Like, you know, am I the best? No. But am I pretty good. Yeah. And sometimes I can be the best, you know, I, it just it depends on, on, on what you do and where you, and the people who you get to surround, uh, to surround you. So that's, that's what I hope to keep doing. And, and, you know, part of that is developing things and, and working with, with writers and, and things, but mostly it's again, like to get back to the first thing that we were talking about, it's like, how do you feel about it? Do you, do you like it? Do you want to do it? Because there's not a, you know, life's pretty short when you look at it. And there's not a lot of hours in the day. So you really want to focus on the things that you yourself like. And I think that that extends across even careers. I think that's people that you spend time with and, and energy and emotions on. And, um, and yeah, I think that that's, that's a pretty good uh, way to, to look at it, to look at it. Yeah. To feel a sense of pride um, in that you achieve something regardless as to what the external sort of reception exactly. is, I think it's huge. And, I mean, I really feel like I didn't get that until like a couple of years ago. I was like, well, if other people don't give a shit, then maybe what I did was garbage. You know but what I mean? It's ever, hard to did separate you have, that. Did you have the opposite, uh, the, the opposite experience too when you, when you would get, because I know I, I love sending 
emails or texts or things to people who I know. Maybe they're not my best friends or whatever, but yeah. I, I, if I have the contact and I see something that a person did that I really like, I love sending sending a message saying like, hey, man, I caught that thing. It was so funny or it was so cool or so interesting. I just wanted to let you know because I love getting feedback like that. So I know that people, when they you know open your inbox, you get like, oh, there's a nice little something. Yeah. So that's that's the other half of it is like you you can you can obviously make yourself feel good with what you do. But it does feel nice to have external validation when it comes from people, even if you don't really know them. Like, you're just like, oh, thanks. Like, what a nice thing to hear. Like, I've had a couple of those, like, recently during the, you know, the, the lockdown and stuff where people have been, like, re-watching or watching for the first time Mad Men and reaching out to me. And people I've known for a long time. Yeah. Like, full disclosure, I've never watched your show. <laughs> and, like, whatever. And I was like, that's fine. It's, it's not a requirement to know me. Yeah. Um, but it, it just feels good when people check in and say like, holy cow, I, I didn't know. Like that's, yeah, that's so good and cool. Okay. And now I, oh, no, yeah. it's going good. Yeah. FedEx, FedEx guy, purple blur just went through. <laughs> I interviewed Abby Jacobson and she had a delivery and she was like, what do I do? Should I, should I answer? Like, what do I, and I was like, take us with you. So she just took the phone with her and like, let the, and they came back to, it was so fun. It's, it's life. Um, but yeah, I think it's one of those things where it's, yeah, I do like getting those messages from time to time. Cause you just never, like, I'm always a person. I just want to create something that I think makes me laugh or tickles me, but I don't know if anyone else is going to get it or going to enjoy it. So when I hear that someone likes it, like you're always very kind and generous being like, Oh, I, I love two up Queens or this. And I, I appreciate that. Cause sometimes you think you're doing things into a void. You know, the reason I, mean? I got turned on to your show was John Hodgman. I mean, oh, and the reason cool. I got turned on to John Hodgman was because, you know, it's like, it, it, it's, it all interconnects. And if, and if yeah. the end result is that you get exposed to something that you might not have seen, or you might have thought, no, that's not for me. I don't, why would I want to watch this or listen to this or whatever? Yeah. And it turns your head or inspires something in you, then awesome. Like that's, yeah. that's the best version of it, right? Like, yeah. that's why we're all here. We're all here to like, hopefully be a part of a community that we can share um, interests and and expose people to, to different interests and, and things that aren't necessarily designed for straight, white, male, gays, whatever. Like yeah. you, you, you can, you can be, your interest can be piqued by so many different things if they're interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I will say full disclosure, at first when Mad Men came out, I was like, I don't know. This seems like a bunch of like white nonsense. I don't know if I'm going to watch it. And then I watched and I was like, oh, fuck, this is like really good. Oh my God. I'm like, <laughs> it was like one of those things where I was like, I, I got to give it up. This shit's incredible. So, I mean, I am, I always will stand for you because that show is perfect. Absolutely Thank perfect. You. Yeah, of course. Um, okay, so we have some audience questions which I'm really excited about. Um, so let's see, who do I want to start with? Oh, this is a really good one because I feel like I struggle with this for a little bit. Okay, so this is from Autumn, who lives in New Orleans, but is originally from Cleveland. Um, she writes, how did you avoid comparing yourself to peers who reached career success before you? Oof, that is a really hard. good question. Yeah. Um, because one of my one of my best friends uh, from growing up is Paul Rudd, and I've known Paul since I was seventeen. He was nineteen. Um, he was 
roommates and and good friends with a, a family friends of mine growing up. And, you know, I would come out and visit him when he was a struggling actor and he got a, like a Nintendo commercial. And that was really cool. Like we were like, whoa, did they give you a free Nintendo? And um, <laughs> they didn't, by the way. Um, but, you know, it was just like watching him kind of go, go, go. And then he blew up in his 20s and Clueless and this and that and what have you. And then I came out and I was like, oh, I'll just follow his trajectory. And yeah. I was like, or not. <laughs> and, uh, but I, you know, part of it, I guess it was like really early on. I, I was, I was pretty comfortable with like, that's Paul. Paul get, got to do that because Paul started earlier. He took a risk earlier and, and there was no like jealousy in any real sense. Um, there's always a kind of a sense of, of especially people. Cause like you probably have this too, but like, when you're going through the audition world and pilot season and everything, you tend to see the same few guys, right? Where, cause it's like the guy who's like six feet tall and white and has dark hair. And and then there's the blonde guys or the whatever. So I would tend to see the same guys. And, and I would often like look and be like, what's that guy got that I don't like, what am I doing wrong or not right? Or that, that kind of energy is, is not helpful because as we've been kind of harping on, like you have what you have and it's your job to present that in the most, appealing way possible and then they're gonna pick it uh if you're trying to do what dave's doing or or you know that guy's doing or whoever you're doing an imitation of an imitation who cares yeah you know yeah and i think also autumn yeah, the name is autumn yes i think that it's it's something like my dad told me he was like success isn't determined on your timeline so you'll you know like i'm very type a i love to plan so i'll be like Okay, I'll do this, and then this time I'll get this, and then and then the universe is like, bitch, what the fuck are you talking? Like, yeah. go sit down and go work. Yeah. I will let you know let when you know I'm when ready for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so it's definitely, you know, in the stand up world, it's like you hear who gets into a festival, and then you're all trying for those like ten slots, and then you feel like shit if you don't get in. And so I get that it's really hard, but I think you sort of really have to you have to block that stuff out and really surround yourself with like-minded people who are not going to let you get in the weeds about like, Oh, X, Y, Z got this. And I've been trying for six years and I still have, you know, it's yeah. You just I don't know if you ever watched it. any of Pete Holmes show crashing. I, I, I missed that one. Well, it's, it's I'm sorry. It, he, he does a lot of like that because it's like trying to be yeah. a comic. It's ba loosely based on his life, obviously, but yeah. trying to be a comic and trying to get to the comedy seller and like, why is this guy doing it? Or why is my ex-girlfriend got on Conan or what have you like? And, and he, he's another guy that I, I sent a very nice email to because I, I really appreciated his second season of his show. Cause I was like, that's such a perfect distillation of like, let that nonsense go and do your thing. And then that will come to you. Yeah. And, and he, he told, he told that story actually really kind of beautifully. Yeah. And I also feel like, for a while, some people just aren't going to get you. And that's just, and that really sucks. But then one day they will, and you'll be like, oh, yeah, it's fine. I've moved on. It doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like, right. That's Part of that is like is. understand, like being able to really translate what you have into a, a message or a, a feeling that is, that is gettable by people too. Cause, yeah. Cause when you're first starting out at anything, you, you, you might not just not be that good at it. You might just, yeah. You, you know what you want to say, but you're not very effective in saying it. 
Yeah. So that's that. And, and part, and the other half of that is like, enjoy that part, like enjoy the process, like enjoy the part of like the journey of doing that and, and really getting better because yeah. then when you land at the place where you're really good at it, you feel like, oh man, you look back and you're like, I just walked up that whole goddamn mountain. Like, yeah. All right. All right. Listen to that, Autumn. That's really good advice. Okay. Um, this is funny. Okay. So Brittany writes, how do you navigate the industry as an old, but not really that old performer? Um, yeah. It's interesting. I was talking last night with a friend of mine who's a little bit older than me, very working actor, successful, mm-hmm. been on a bunch of shows. You totally recognize him if you saw him. Um, and it was like, he goes, I just had this audition and I put myself on tape and he goes, I got to tell you, it was actually really refreshing. They just were like, you're too old <laughs> because, because I'd rather hear that than like, uh, we're going a different way or like whatever. He's like, fine, I'm too old. I don't, I don't care. Um, you know, I feel like it's really interesting. Like I'll be 50 next year. So that's like a milestone. That's a but milestone. Like- you're like a 50 year old white guy, which is still, I feel like, very young. Like, I'm like a 35 year old black I'm, woman. Exactly. I'm 78 in white years. <laughs> white male years. Yeah. Um, it's, it's obviously different. Uh, but it's also like, I feel like when I was 20, like 50 felt like 80. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, you'd see a 50 year old back in St. Louis. I was like, that guy's 50, man. That, that's 50 hard years, you know, like that's no sunscreen years. That's like, you know, three packs a day years. Like that, that is a hard 50. Yeah. And I feel like in LA 50 is like, I don't know. Like, I don't feel 50. I don't feel, yeah. I don't feel old. Yeah. You know, the only times I feel old is when I'm really engaging with like millennials or, yeah. or Gen Zers. Like when I'm just like, holy like, I can't even understand what you're talking about. Like, TikTok, Zoom, this, that, that. That's when I legit feel like a grandfather. Yeah. Or like, can you, can, huh? can you show me how to work the machine? <laughs> <laughs> but that's, you know, fortunately, and I, and I do, I engage with, with a lot of uh, young actors a lot because I, I, I'm the, like, basically the L.A. representative of the University of Missouri and John Burroughs High School, where I went to St. Louis. So I get a lot of like, can you please talk to my daughter or my niece or whoever? And and I'm happy to do it because it's helpful. But like the way it works now with engaging in the industry with the social media aspect of it is mystifying to me because I'm just like, I don't, does it matter that you have 2 million followers? Like yeah. who gives a shit? They're, they're, they're they're following you because they want to see whatever your content is, not because of whatever your talent is. And those are two completely different things. So I think the industry is kind of learning how to manage that. I don't really, I don't, I, fortunately, I, like I said, I, I was the last one in before the door slam, but like, I don't have to engage with that. So uh, I, I, I navigate the industry the way I've always navigated, which is just trying to, trying to, trying to be, you know, uh, responsible, prepared, and and pick things that I like. Would you ever join social meds, or you're like, no? Uh, that ship has sailed. I don't. Yeah. I don't see what the what I would get out of it. Honestly, yeah. what the benefit would be, and I feel like the detriment, the downside of it, and the hate and the 
poison and the, the toxicity of it are are just not worth whatever yeah. sponsorship deal I could get for tummy tea. Yeah. <laughs> You're you're making the right call. Like I I'm on social media and I have a love hate because sometimes I'm like this is just a bummer. Like we're all just like we're running newspapers about our own fucking lives and it's like who gives a shit? Like who there cares? Is that, there is that aspect to it of like I mean I appreciate sometimes like the like I wish Instagram was just pictures of beautiful hotels. <laughs> <laughs> Like, oh, I want to go there. Like, that sounds awesome. Or like, you know, fun kittens falling over. Yeah. But instead, like, it's become this cesspool of of even people that engage with it in such a positive way. There's people out there that just, whether they're bots or fake or whatever, that just want to want to tear it down. And you're kind of like, I, I don't, why? Like, what's, yeah. what are you getting out of that? What are you getting out of that? Today, I'm going to type fuck you on a hundred people's different things and make them feel bad. And that makes me feel good. I don't, I don't get it. Yeah. So stay, stay far away, John. Seriously. Just (laughs) don't, don't do it. (laughs) Okay. So, um, Oh, okay. Okay. This is from anonymous. Um, they write in what ways has the frame late start undermined or enhanced how you approach your work? I think we've talked about it a lot. I think yeah. being a little more mature and a little more um, self-aware is, mm-hmm. um, or comfortable in your own skin is uh, appealing, honestly. Yeah. I think that we see it in the, in the people who inspire us, whatever way, shape, or form, or whether it's a comedy, a comedian you like or a, a, an actor you like. When you, when you see that they're so like locked in, uh, you're just like, oh, right. Like, must be nice to be in that place. And and yeah. then you're way more comfortable kind of letting them uh, lead you lead you into a story or a, a laugh or, or, a, or a scene or whatever. So I think that that's a big part of it. But it it doesn't it's it's not easy. I mean, it's not, you can be a 80 years old and, and get famous and it's still not easy. I think it's I think it's a it can be a real mindfuck in, in so many ways, like engaging with celebrity and notoriety and in in all of all of that stuff is so hard because you're tacitly or not you're you're giving something up that you didn't make the decision to give up does that make any sense like you're it's it's part of the deal which you didn't agree to is that we get to take this part of it and you got to just eat it And you see it online all the time of people like, well, that's, that's what you asked for. It's like, no, I didn't. I didn't ask for people to sit outside my house with a long lens and like try to catch me picking my nose or whatever. Like I did not ask for that. I did not ask for that by doing my best job on a show that I tried to do. Like, but that's where we are as a culture and it's, it's jacked up and it's not cool, but you just got to kind of let it, let it go and, and, and live your life. Yeah, I feel like you must have like a really strong core group of friends that you can sort of feel safe around because you're like, oh, this person's not going to ask like for money for me or like to hook them up with anything. Like they just like me because I'm fucking John and like I'm this dude. For sure. No, I think I I think, you know, we all have our like showbiz friends. We all have our Mm -hmm. friend friends. Yeah. Um, And sometimes those those circles, you know, intertwine and sometimes not. 
Yeah. But yeah, I have I have friends that I've obviously known since way before I was famous and yeah. and uh, you know, a real real close core. And by the way, that we all help each other out. Like it's it's not about like oh, well you don't have any money, so therefore we can't be friends. It's like, no man, like rising tide lifts all boats. Like Yeah. You need a hand, like let me know, like for sure. You have a knack for you got all you got you have so many quotes. Like I can't quote anything. <laughs> you like you didn't have I, I I don't know how I have a career to be quite honest <laughs> I know how you have a career <laughs> talented AF oh thank you okay so we have just a couple more questions if that's cool sure um, so Olivia um, who lives in Portland Oregon she writes I know these are like all women I think women were really thirsty for you okay but um, there are a lot of women who wrote in okay so Olivia writes, what um, later career fear did you have that ended up being untrue? Um, that I would, you know, it's, it's, it, I think it's pretty common. It's like, what's next, right? Yeah. So if you do one thing that everybody likes, then, then it's like, what's next? Yeah. Um, and I've been able to do, whether it's SNL or, uh, you know, Bridesmaids or what have you, I've been able to do some pretty cool things that weren't Don Draper um, and really enjoy them and, and get positive feedback and, and, and have people enjoy them as well. So that one, I, you know, there, there's a, there's a real terror of <laughs> you audition, you audition, you audition, then you get the job and then you're like, Oh shit. Now I have to do the job. Mm-hmm. And like, I can remember the first day, six o'clock in the morning, whatever, I'm tying my tie, putting my Don Draper gear on and looking in the mirror and I'm like, fuck, now I got to do this. Like, I got to do it for <laughs> real and they're going to film it and they're going to put it out there. <laughs> and it like this wave of anxiety hit me. And then I was able to like get through it and like breathe through it. And it was like, you know what? You got this. They picked you. You got the job. Now go do the job. And I did it for nine years. And so... The, the what's next of it all kind of went away. Um, not to say that I, that I don't care what's next, but, but that I actually feel like what's next is what I'm going to do next. And that'll be just fine. Okay. This message, this message, this question is actually from um, my makeup artist, Delina, who lives in <laughs> Harlem. Um, and she writes, Hey John, any tips on how to keep faith in yourself and stay excited? Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's the oldest trick in the book, but it's like, be present, be mindful, look around you and be grateful of what, whatever it is that day. You know, um, I, I was, I was so excited to like do this today, Yeah. but, and I'm sorry, I missed it last week because I don't know how time zones work. <laughs> um, but like, take it in, you know, take yeah. in the good, take in the bad, enjoy what, what the day is. And you can, if you're able to do that in a real way and you're able to kind of constantly check in and, and really appreciate your surroundings. And it doesn't have to be like, I, I remember being living in a house with four dudes back in the nineties. And and thinking like, you know what? I'm actually kind of glad I'm here. Like this is mm -hmm. this is pretty great. It wasn't a conscious thing I did. I just remember thinking like, this is actually kind of fun. And I think we're gonna go play golf a little bit later, or maybe tennis, or maybe we'll just take a hike. I don't know. LA is awesome. 
I was unemployed. I had no money. <laughs> like I, it was categorically if well, from the outside in, some would be like, your life sucks, dude. But I was like, actually, it's kind of nice. Like here we are, like we're trying. Yeah. And I think that no matter where you are in your career or whatever your career is, if you can look at it in that sense of saying like, and it's obviously it's so fucked up now with all the nonsense that's going on right now, but this too shall pass. So you, you can, you can appreciate what it is. Like people, I've been asked this a lot of like, Oh, it's gotta be so hard. Like lockdown. What do you do? Like, what do you, and my, my response has been like, you know what? Weirdly enough, like I've been engaging with my friends way more during this because we're all in the same boat. Like my best friend lives in Australia and I, I've talked to him more in the last four months than I've talked to him in the last four years Wow! because we like FaceTime and like see his kids and like, what's going on and what's it like in Australia is like, are you guys locked down? Are you wearing masks? Like, what's the deal? But it's just a check-in and and it's an appreciation of what you do have rather than a, a dissatisfaction with what you don't. Mm. You know, I feel like I kind of needed this conversation today. Like real <laughs> fucking talk. I've been like, this person's passed on this show I developed. Fuck them. And now I'm just kind of like, it's okay. Like it sucks, but it's also like, it's uh, it's okay. It could be it's worse. Okay. It will know? work out. Yeah. It will yeah. work out. I lo- I like what you said about the universe. Your dad said or whatever. It was like saying like the universe is not depending upon your timeline for success. Mm-hmm. It'll work out. Damn, John, you're the best. This was like <laughs> so like delightful and nice. I feel like, you know, we like see each other around, but we never get to have like a deep No, this was lovely. For sure. I I, I was, like I said, I I wasn't kidding. I was bummed I missed it last week, but I was really looking forward to this. Wasn't it such a great episode, babe? Oh my God, John Hamm's just so sexy. He is. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) I like yelled it at you. I know. (laughs) (laughs) But it was really like nice to see what I really appreciate about him, and I think this comes with like time, the older you get, you look back on your younger self, you sort of go, you know, like I was the place that I, I was at was what I could handle. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so sometimes you think like, oh, if I was like 22, I blah, 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 blah. It's like if I was 22 and got on HBO, I don't know. Like, I don't know how yeah. I would have been able to handle that. I don't know if I would have had the maturity for it. So. For sure. I think it's good to just have that reminder that it's never too late. You're never too old. Yeah. If you really want to pursue something, you really have that talent, like just go for it. I yeah. mean, what it's, did you take away from it's it? It's just really, really reassuring to hear. Like obviously John Ham's a very, very successful mm-hmm. in his career, but no, like hearing his struggles throughout his midlife. Mm-hmm. Uh, early years. Early years. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. And then just keep chipping away at it and if you want it enough and you work hard enough at it it will come ah that was sweet so you know what guys if you haven't seen mad men yet which i haven't i know we gotta work on this because it is it is so good it is one of those shows that is i don't know i think pretty perfect honestly wow it's strong words it's really like incredible it's Mm. like reading an incredible like just deep novel. It's it's so 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 okay. so good. Um so if you haven't seen it, check it out, y'all. Um Bold in USA. 
Thanks for being our sponsor for this episode. You guys are the best. Yes. And don't forget, guys, go to PhoebeRobson.com slash merch because I have merch. It is getting cold outside. I was going to say, I'm going to be wearing that sweatshirt soon. Listen, it's cold outside. You need a sweatshirt with a black girl's face on it. I'm going to say it. I just did say it. I'm, yeah. <laughs> Go to PhoebeRobinson.com slash merch. Sizing is small to triple XL. Get you a sweatshirt. And also, you know what? Get you a t-shirt. Because yeah. you're going to be inside too. You might get hot with you the want, heat on. You need something to put underneath that sweatshirt. Done. Yeah. Should we like start doing Black Fraser thongs? As in underwear, not? Yes. Okay. Um, I don't think there's a market for it yet. <laughs> However, I'll get a research team on and see see what see what's up. The kindness that was in your voice. I don't think there's a market for yet. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you guys, we're gonna get through this. You know, we don't know who's the president yet. So yeah, disclaimer, we filmed this before all the the results came, came in. in, yeah. So I'm hoping it's Biden-Harris, if it's Trump-Pence. Who knows? We, we got, either way, we got, it's clear that this country has a lot of work to do. So no matter who's in office, we all need to roll up our sleeves, roll up our dungaroos, mm -hmm. and fucking get to work these next four years and beyond. This is a lifelong journey, honey, to dismantle this patriarchy and white supremacy ain't going to stop just because Biden and Harris are in office. So let's all get to work. Let's put on our wigs. Let's put on our Bolden USA skincare products and get out there. I got a fart, so let's wrap this up. Credit time. <laughs> Host Phoebe Lynn Robinson. Producers Phoebe Lynn Robinson and British Bake Off. Editor British Bake Off. Theme song Gavin Turek. Interns Sasha and Malia Obama. Speak into existence. They're going to do it. It's going to happen, you guys. Honestly, saying I have to fart is sort of like when you acknowledge a ghost and you tell it to go away, it leaves. Like that fart, bam.